Hey, good morning. This is Jake Brown, and I'm the preacher at Liberty Christian Church in beautiful Madison, Indiana. This morning, as you're listening, I encourage you to follow along in your Bible if you're able. I encourage you to take notes if you can. Try to write down the main points that you catch from today's message. Write down the Bible references that you hear so that you can read over them again later. And be sure to jot down anything else that you hear this morning that you think is important or might be something that you'd like to study further. Well, it's just about time for the sermon to start, so turn up the volume and tune out the distractions. It is my prayer that you find this morning's message engaging and meaningful. Last week, we started a new series of messages from the book of Ezra. Ezra tells us the story of God's people coming out of captivity. These were people who had been defeated, taken captive, deported to Babylon. But now, as the book of Ezra details for us, they were returning returning to Jerusalem, returning to rebuild the house of God, returning to reinstate proper worship and service to God. Last year put us into this captive-like state of exile. I told you before, I mentioned it last week, we weren't defeated and deported to some foreign place geographically speaking, but as a state of mind, we were carried off to a place that we had never been before and didn't want to go. We've discussed how that state of exile affected the church in a variety of ministry areas. And it's time for us to to put ourselves in the shoes of those exiles who were returning. So as we seek to get off to a strong start on our own kind of returning, I told you the big idea of this series is this. When God's people genuinely strive to return to Him, He participates with them to accomplish what needs to be done, despite how difficult or uncertain the circumstances may seem. We see it throughout the book of Ezra. We see this idea that that God is involved. We don't have to do this alone. We can't do this alone. When our desire is to truly honor God, he'll work with us as we seek to return. So after the chaos of 2020, and in the face of an uncertain 2021, we have some returning to do. We kicked things off last Sunday with a message called Gathering Resources. If you weren't here and you haven't listened to that message, I would highly encourage you to do that. Go to www.liberty-christian.com and just click on Listen Online and you can get caught up pretty quickly uh, with last week's message. But as we continue on in the book of Ezra today, I want to bring you a message called Sacrifice Restored. Sacrifice restored. The goal of this message is simple, to see and understand that sacrifice is required of God's people and it's vital to a successful return. So are you up for that? Are you up to to see those things, to, to find out that those things are true and necessary? Well, let's dig in. We're going to be working with Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 today. Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're sort of, I guess you could say, skipping chapter 2 for the sake of time, but also to remain on point with the primary focus of the book of Ezra, which is this theme of returning. 
Chapter 2, though, is filled with the names and the, the numbers of the families and the individuals who were returning from Babylon to Jerusalem and Judah. And at the very end of chapter 2, we learn something important. We learn that they made it to their destination. They made it uh, back to Judah and Jerusalem, and they all started to settle into Jerusalem and the surrounding cities there. We're told at the end of the chapter there were 42,360 of God's people who returned, along with 7,337 of their servants, plus 200 singers, so the scripture tells us. So I guess just keep that in mind as we begin reading through these first seven verses of Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, the Bible says this, Now when the seventh month came, And the sons of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brothers, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brothers arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they set up the altar on its foundation, for they were terrified because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. They celebrated the Feast of Booths, as it is written, and offered the fixed number of burnt offerings daily, according to the ordinance, as each day required. And afterward, there was a continual burnt offering, also for the new moons, and for all the fixed festivals of the Lord that were consecrated, and from everyone who offered a free will offering to the Lord." From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the permission they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, listen, I understand there's a lot of details there about these specific ancient things they did. And on the surface, with just a a cursory reading, it might seem like there's not much here for us. But remember, we're looking to put ourselves in these people's shoes. If we'll do that, we'll find that there are things that we can learn. In fact, very valuable things we can learn. Well, what kind of things do we find to help us here as as 21st century Christians staring down the barrel of a a new year and desperately needing a, a fresh start, a strong start, a returning? Well, first things first, we see God's people come together as one. We see that there in verse one. They they came together as one. Ezra chapter one, verse one says, When the seventh month came and the sons of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man. To Jerusalem. Now, what does this have to do with sacrifice? After all, the sermon is called Sacrifice Restored, right? Well, let me ask you to put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. We'll see later in Ezra chapter 7 that it took another group of exiles four months to travel to Jerusalem. Now, assuming it took this group in Ezra chapter 3 a similar amount of time, and making a reasonable guess that it may have been a month or possibly more to prepare to leave for Jerusalem in the first place, this month number seven, this seventh month rolls around pretty quickly when you start adding up 
the time to prepare, the time to travel. They had probably just arrived in their old home cities a month or two ago. They were probably just getting settled, just getting their homes established. Their long and strenuous journey was still a very fresh memory. And up comes the busiest month of their religious calendar. This was the month of trumpets, the month of atonements, and the month of tabernacles. This month here was going to be a serious early challenge to their commitment to doing what they had come to do. So very shortly after arriving, they all assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Now, none of them would have been terribly far away. Every city would have been probably within about 25 miles or so of Jerusalem. But if we put ourselves in their shoes, would you be ready to turn around and walk 25 miles to Jerusalem? Well, only if you were committed to the cause. God may not ask us to walk 25 miles and come together as one, but he does ask us to sacrifice and come together as one. Jesus said in Luke 14 that we had to pick up our cross daily if we wanted to be his disciple. That, that's talking about some sacrifice. We had to put him above everything and everyone else, he said there as well, if we want to follow him, if we want to be his disciples. Sacrifice is required. And in John 17, Jesus prayed that his followers would come together as one in him. He wants sacrifice, he expects sacrifice, it's required, and he wants us to be unified, united. He wants us to come together as one. The Apostle Paul was inspired by God to plead with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He said this, he wrote to them and he said, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind. And in the same judgment. Now, wouldn't that require some personal sacrifice? For all of us to be as one, for us to all agree, for there to be no divisions among us, for us to be of the same mind and the same judgment, that level of maturity and unity doesn't happen without personal sacrifice from each and every single one of us. There's going to have to be some give and take among us. And then for us to be of the same mind and judgment, we're going to have to sacrifice our own desires for the desires of God because that's the mind we're supposed to have, the mind of Christ. We're supposed to seek his will. Church, I don't know if you wanted to hear this or not, but we're going to have to sacrifice and come together as one if we're going to start strong in 2021 and return to worshiping and serving God as we know we can and should. Now, another very helpful lesson we can learn if we'll put ourselves in these returning exiles' shoes is this. We should sacrifice to God in response to surrounding fears. Sacrifice to God in response to surrounding fears. In verses 2 and 3, we see this lesson. Look at verse 2. It says, Then Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brothers, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brothers, arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So, Let's stop here for just a second. The Israelites gathered together at Jerusalem as one, and they prepared for sacrifice, right? That's what they were doing. They were preparing for sacrifice. It says these guys built a quick altar for burnt offerings, right? 
Now, it's important to note, they didn't do this because it felt like the right thing to do. They, they built this altar and prepared to offer burnt offerings because this was as it is written in the law of Moses. That's what the scripture says. That's, that's why they did it. That's how they did it. As it is written in the law of Moses. They were doing things God's way. As we press forward to return and rebuild in 2021, we need to be sure that we don't just do what feels good or what sounds right or what we, we hope is right or what we want to be right. We need to do things as it is written, as it is written. But let's talk about verse 3. This is where we see our lesson of sacrificing in response to surrounding fears. Verse 3 said this, So they set up the altar on its foundation, for they were terrified because of the peoples of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. So they were surrounded by people who did not worship the one true God as they did. They were in the midst of the former Babylonian empire, now under control of powerful Persia. Their fear, though, didn't cause them to hunker down at home. Their fear didn't cause them to hide from the danger. Their fear didn't cause them to become spiritually paralyzed. They offered sacrifices to God. Now, these sacrifices were not payments to God for His protection. This was God's people doing what they were supposed to do, knowing that their best opportunity to be blessed and potentially protected by God was to step up and live faithfully to God, to step up and do what they should have been doing. Remember in Genesis chapter 4, when God asked Cain in verse 6, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Do you remember the advice that God gave Cain in verse 7? He said, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? In other words, you know what will make you feel better? You know what will actually make things right here? If you would do what is right, if you would do well, if you would do what you know you ought to be doing. Church, this would fix a lot of our personal problems. Our anger, our depression, our struggle with self-worth, our worry and anxiety, our fears. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you'll just get up and do what you know you really ought to be doing. Serve God the way you really know you ought to be serving Him. Trust and love God the way you know you really ought to be. You'll feel a whole lot better and you'll actually be in a much better situation. If we're going to make the return in 2021, and we're going to, the question is just, are you going to come with us? We're going to have to overcome the fears that surround us and start doing the sacrificing we know we ought to be doing. The next lesson we learn here reminds us that we need to be sure to reestablish the sacrifices required by God. Reestablish the sacrifices required by God. In Ezra chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we read about the reinstatement of a number of sacrifices that God had required of His people. Offerings for festivals commanded by the Lord, daily burnt offerings, continual burnt offerings, even free will offerings as different ones were compelled to do so. We too need to reestablish the sacrifices required by God. Many of us, myself included, we're too often concerned about ourselves in 2020. 
We need to reestablish a regimen of sacrifice as prescribed by God. So what kind of sacrifice has God commanded? What kind of sacrifice do we know is required? Does God even require sacrifice in the New Testament? Well, of, of course he does. Of course he does. We can look at many New Testament passages about how our bodies are temples of the living God and how we are called to worship God through sacrifice now. For the sake of time, let's just look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 right now. The scripture says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be working on a building. You're building a temple for God. Maybe we've got more in common with these Israelites in the book of Ezra than we originally thought. Notice, though, in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we are being built up as a spiritual house for a reason, for a purpose. What does the scripture say there? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Just like the temple was built and in it sacrifices were offered up, we too, as temples of God, ought to be offering up spiritual sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, give us a, a few examples of some spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. That passage of scripture there says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And then verse 16 says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices... God is pleased. So one of the spiritual sacrifices that is pleasing to God is thanksgiving, continual thanksgiving, right? Being thankful, praising him, giving thanks to his name. This is the spiritual sacrifice, or this is a spiritual sacrifice that is pleasing to God. I'm sure many of us, many of us could benefit from offering up this particular sacrifice a little more this year than we did last year. And then there's the sacrifice here of doing good. Verse 16 here in Hebrews chapter 13 says that doing good is also a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. It's easy to think, I do good. You know, you read that and you think, well, hey, I'm, I'm offering up sacrifices to God. I do good things. Well, let's pretend that God asked you to expound on that a little bit. Kind of open that up. Kind of explain that. Tell him what good it is exactly that you do. Are you consistently and intentionally doing good? Are you purposefully offering up the sacrifice of good works? Sacrifices are to be offered up daily, continually. Boy, imagine the return that we could make with a church full of consistent and intentional, intentional sacrificers of good works. Imagine what we could build for God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 also lists the sacrifice of sharing. Let me ask you this. Is what is yours just simply what is yours? Or is what is yours something given by God for you to share? Again, think what we could do. Think what we could build. Imagine how we could glorify God. Imagine how we could please God if we all shared generously. 
We need to reestablish in our own lives the sacrifices required by God. The the return that we need to start making in 2021 is going to require it. Now, there's one more lesson very quickly that we can see here, and that is this. Once we start sacrificing, once we start reestablishing this lifestyle of sacrifice that we've been talking about, keep sacrificing and keep building. Keep sacrificing, keep building. Verses 6 and 7 of our text here in Ezra chapter 3 says, From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the sea at Joppa, according to the permission they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Again, these verses may initially just sound like some dry facts about what the Israelites, you know, did next. But what we ought to hear in these verses is that they didn't stop short of the goal. They didn't stop short of the goal. Can I ask you just one more time to put yourself in in their shoes? They were captives, deported to Babylon. They saw their city destroyed, their, their temple taken out. Then they were told they could return. They could return to Jerusalem. They could uh, rebuild Jerusalem. They could rebuild the temple of God. They traveled likely for months to get there. Then they arrived and they set up their homes in their cities. They, They had now come to Jerusalem and together with all the people, they were participating in, in all the festivals of the Lord that they should have been doing before. They had made that return. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They started offering up the required sacrifices. They had come so far. They had already done so much. What a great time to pause and celebrate, right? But instead, they kept up their sacrifices and they started paying for the masons and the carpenters that were needed. They started ordering the lumber and and, and telling them where to have it delivered, right? Keep sacrificing, keep building. What's the lesson here for us? Progress for the Lord can be celebrated and enjoyed, certainly, but it should not be stopped. Progress for the Lord can be celebrated and enjoyed, but it should not be stopped. We need to keep sacrificing and keep building. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes on to teach that we should all adopt this attitude, this attitude of never letting off the gas like we've quote-unquote made it but instead to always be pushing on. Keep sacrificing, keep building, press on. The fact is, none of us are done building the temple that God wants us to build. So keep sacrificing and keep building. As we finish things up here this morning, I'd like to ask those of you listening on the radio right now the most important question that any of us could ever be asked, a question that each and every single one of us need to be able to answer confidently and honestly. Here's the question. If the Lord were to return today, do you know for sure, no doubts whatsoever, that you would go to live with Him forever? Do you know for certain that He's going to let you into heaven? Can a person even know? 
In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle John writes that we can know. He says, These things have been written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Folks, that is good news. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9, through 9, though, Scripture says that there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So according to the Bible here, somebody's going to pay. Somebody's going to get in trouble when Jesus returns, right? Who did this passage of Scripture say was going to pay the penalty of eternal destruction? There's two groups listed, right? Did you catch them? Those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, maybe you know God, but have you obeyed the gospel? Now, before you answer that, let's make sure we know what the gospel is. In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation, but what is it? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, the Apostle Paul says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So there are three main statements that make up the Gospel. Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried, and Christ was raised on the third day. The Bible teaches us that His death paid the price for our sin, and His resurrection made eternal life possible. So now, now that we understand what the Gospel is, let's get back to our question, how do we obey the Gospel? I want to read for you Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and I want you to listen and see if you can hear all three parts of the gospel being played out here, the death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says here in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism, into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Did you catch that? When we're baptized, the Bible says, we are baptized into Christ's death. When we are baptized, the Bible says, we are buried with Christ. And finally, when we are baptized, we are raised up as Christ was raised from the dead, so that we too will walk in newness of life. Folks, the Bible makes it clear you must believe that Jesus is who the Bible says He is. According to Matthew 16, 16, John 1, 1, John 1, 14, John 8, 58, Colossians 2, 9, and Hebrews 1, 8, Jesus is the Christ, the one who would come to save us from our sins. He is the Son of the living God. He Himself is God, one of the three distinct personalities that make up God. And He is God the Son who came to earth in human form. We must hear the gospel and believe it. We must trust Jesus completely. We must make a distinct turn away from sinful living and toward God's holiness and righteousness. The Bible calls this change in our behavior repentance. 
We must confess our belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And of course, we must obey the gospel through baptism, where we are immersed in water by the authority of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is where we are baptized into Christ's death, into his burial, and raised up to newness of life by the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from death. Acts 2.38 and Acts 22.16 make it clear that at our baptism, our sins are forgiven. They're washed away. 1 Peter 3, 21 says baptism saves us. Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27 teaches us that through faith and as a result of our baptism, we become children of God clothed with Christ. Let me ask you again. If the Lord were to return today, do you know for sure, no doubts whatsoever, that you would go to live with Him forever? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, please know that we would love to talk with you about your situation. We would love to answer any questions you have. We would appreciate the opportunity to discuss with you the costs of following Christ. If you're interested, keep listening, and we'll tell you how you can get in touch with us in just a moment. You've just listened to the current sermon from Liberty Christian Church the very same sermon that was preached today at our in-person services. I'm Jake Brown, and on behalf of the church, I want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you're in the area, I want to encourage you to join us in person at Liberty Christian Church at one of our Sunday services. We meet at 10.30 a.m., again, 10.30 each and every Sunday morning at 8774 North U.S. Highway 421, Madison, Indiana. That's 8774 North U.S. Highway 421, Madison, Indiana. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you're welcome to call us, leave a message on the church phone. Just call 812-273-1518. That's 812-273-1518. Please leave us a message letting us know that you're calling us because you heard us on the radio. Be sure to let us know why you're calling and let us know how we can best follow up with you. Or you're welcome to reach out to us on Facebook. Just search for Liberty Christian Church, Madison, Indiana. Or you can send us a message directly from our website. Now, speaking of our website, if you'd like to hear this message again or to listen to other messages, just go to our website at www.liberty-christian.com and click on Listen Now. But again, we'd love to have you join us in person if you're physically able to do so. Jesus created his church as a body of people. His church is a family made up of sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we've been called to meet together regularly. The pattern that we see from the church in the Bible is that they met every Sunday. So if you're able, come meet with us next Sunday right here at Liberty Christian Church in beautiful Madison, Indiana. We love you, God loves you, and it is our prayer that he will bless you this week as you seek his truth.